Welcome back. You are listening to Nate the Hate on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to like the video and subscribe if you haven't already. And I'd like to thank our recent donors and dedicate this episode to Calvin Atkinson and Shamsa, both of whom have generously donated $100 in support of the channel. So thank you, Calvin Atkinson and Shamsa. And this episode is dedicated to you. And I'd like to welcome in my co-host, Modern Vintage Gamer. Hey, what's up, Nate? Great to be here. Thanks for having me on as always. It's always a pleasure having you here. And we have a deep topic to go into today, as in recent weeks, there was news from Bloomberg where they came out with an article citing 11 developer sources who have claimed to have access to new Nintendo Switch dev kits with 4K capabilities. And this is a topic that has been ongoing for the majority of 2021. And per Bloomberg reporting earlier this year, they had anticipated that this hardware would have launched in 2021. And they also made note of that in their article and how it is believed by at least one of their contacts with knowledge of Nintendo hardware that the semiconductor shortage may have played a vital role in delaying this new hardware, but it was a very in-depth article and it was met immediately with doubts as Nintendo put out a statement as well as one of the developers cited in the article named, which was Zynga. And they put out a statement and there's also been some doubt as to whether or not this new hardware could have backwards compatibility with the current switch per some data miners. And over the course of the last several weeks, I have been reaching out to my own contacts to try to make some sort of sense into what is happening. And we're going to go over all of that in this episode. But I want to start today by addressing the two denials made by Nintendo and third-party developer Zynga. And we're going to start with the Zynga comment. As they made a statement after the Bloomberg article was published where Zynga spokeswoman Sarah Ross disputed the article and made the statement the following. To clarify, Zynga does not have a 4K developer kit from Nintendo. Now, <laughs> that statement is... It's very what well worded, you, isn't it, Nate? Yeah, it's perfectly worded. This is a marketing statement, and... The reason Zynga came out with a statement is because, as mentioned, Zynga is mentioned by name in the article, which means the source that talked to Bloomberg gave permission to allow Zynga to be named as one of the development studios in possession with a Switch 4K dev kit. And the statement, of course, they're going to come out and deny it. You have to. Nintendo would have put pressure on them to come out and deny it because acknowledging you do have a dev kit would be a violation of the non-disclosure agreement that the development partners have with Nintendo. But the statement uses very careful wording. Zynga does not have a 4K developer kit from Nintendo. What that says is read between the lines. We don't have it from Nintendo, but it does not mean we were not provided one by a publishing partner that we are working with who may have gotten the developer kit from Nintendo. 
And if that sounds confusing, it shouldn't. This is a very common practice in the industry itself. You have numerous studios, be it big and large, who have subcontractors. And when they need work done on a platform, the bigger company, let's use as an example, like a Capcom or Square Enix, they are going to give these smaller companies dev kits that they have partnered with to make software on them. And that could be exactly what Zynga is saying with the statement here. Or it can be far more simple and they're just denying it because they have to deny it. Now, Nintendo's denial is a little more interesting. (laughs) And this is something we've seen Nintendo do before. They did it several months ago with another Bloomberg article, but that was about the bill of materials for the Switch OLED. And after the article about the 4K dev kits coming to light, Nintendo quickly went to their investors' Twitter account and put out a statement which reads, A news report on September 30th falsely claims that Nintendo is supplying tools to drive game development for a Nintendo Switch with 4K support. To ensure correct understanding among our investors and customers, we want to clarify that this report is not true. We also want to restate that, as we announced in July, we have no plans for any new model other than Nintendo Switch OLED model, which will launch on October 8th, 2021. Now, this statement, much like the Zynga statement, is masterful marketing PR speak. Because Nintendo uses a phrase here, that people are going that people continue to make note to they say well nintendo can't lie to investors you're right they can't but they can use very careful framing to tell the truth but not give the entire truth and the phrase is that nintendo is supplying tools to drive game development for a nintendo switch with 4k support they're right Nintendo isn't supplying tools to drive game development for a Nintendo Switch with 4K support because the platform is not going to be called solely Nintendo Switch. Mm -hmm. It could be called whatever Nintendo opts to brand. It could be Nintendo Switch 2, Nintendo Switch Pro. And that statement would be correct that Nintendo put out because it's not a Nintendo Switch once you add a following moniker to the brand. So, Nate, what do you say to those people that still don't believe this? In other words, you know, you've got Bloomberg that are saying that 11 developers um, mm-hmm. and, and Zynga is is categorically telling them that they have, you know, 4K development kits. So there are still a lot of people out there that are very skeptical about this. They, you know, they've, they've heard this before. Bloomberg has mm-hmm. made numerous articles over the last few years about um, Switch, and I'll say Switch Pro, which I, I don't want to use that term. But so w- what do you say to those people that are still not believing this or on the fence about it? Because for me, I would say that if you're coming, if you're bringing a report that is basically saying 11 developers have this this dev kit, then even though um, we're never going to know who they are, at least not initially, 
that's something that you really just have to take a step back and say, you know what, I think, I think, I think there's something here now. You know, this is not just a um, a rumor mill. This is this is something else. This is Bloomberg has obviously gone around and gotten the receipts because you know earlier this year. I don't want to say they got embarrassed by Nintendo, but there was they, Nintendo kind of shut down that conversation pretty quickly when they when they made that tweet about how there was there was no um, you know next generation Switch or whatever that they said. But this time they've kind of come back and done a lot of homework and they've talked to a lot of different developers and basically have hit back. And I should also add that I think the next day after Nintendo tweeted out that. Um, that you know they categorically deny um, Bloomberg's report. They reject the report. There was also the patent about the um, the kind of the DLSS um, thing that Nerd was doing over at Nintendo Europe, and that's also something that's that's interesting as well. You know because it's clear that Nintendo is exploring these things internally. So there's obviously a lot more here than than kind of meets the eye. But I guess the initial question was, what do you say to those people that are still kind of on the fence about this, or um, or maybe just don't believe it at all? I would say at this point, what further evidence do you want mm-hmm. from a report? Yeah, this this is citing eleven game companies, naming one of them. That is unheard of you never are typically seen a publication be given permission to name a development studio with access to a dev kit this far in advance of the product coming to market and that was a smart play by bloomberg to get permission from a zynga source to name them as a studio with access to the 4k dev kit because by naming them nintendo basically has no means to come back. It's, we are citing 11 plus a name studio. How can you tell us that our information is inaccurate? Right. You can't. This this is substantial evidence. This shows that numerous companies, and it's well beyond just these 11 studios that they have sourced. Yep. It's just the ones it's spoken to. Correct. There's probably other ones and, out there that are like that they, they, they haven't said anything or they're just uh-huh. denied it because you know they're under NDA. They don't want to talk, which I correct. totally understand. And that's this is a this is a mountain of evidence. Yeah. And I think part of the denial or the dismissal of this information really comes down to the branding of the system itself, and that's why moving forward from this video onward is I will not use the terminology switch pro in the past the way information was relayed to me it did sound as though this may be positioned as a revision similar to the game boy color or even the new 3ds based on more recent information i cannot stand by that Mm -hmm. any further i agree with you nate um and I know we're going to get into the backward compatibility topic, but I think there's mm-hmm. there's definitely some things we need to kind of talk about there because the more that I I read about this and and read these patents that are that are coming up and and hear about a new chip, you know, and and 4K, right? I mean, this is not mm-hmm. this is not X1 anymore. This is something else, right? So with that, 
that that kind of leads me to believe well this is not a revision this is this is something this is something completely different we'll be back after a quick break Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At The Gaming Blender, we take randomised genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the Gaming Blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. Yes. And maybe that is what has caused so much confusion and doubt is just the terminology that was assigned to it. And it's important to note that when you're talking to a developer who has gained access to a new dev kit, it's not always going to be labeled on the sheet successor. Mm-hmm. It could just be, here's new hardware. And what I do want to make clear right now is that this is a new switch. This is a new hybrid switch. The branding of the model, as far as developers are concerned, is not important. They just want better hardware to work with. The branding is for the consumer and for Nintendo when it comes time to market the device to us. If they want to call it Switch 2, Super Switch, Switch 4K, that's up to them to decide upon when the time is right. But I think a lot of people became overly invested in the pro terminology because at the time, you didn't know what else to call it. Yeah. If we if let's say if earlier this year when we talked about this topic, if I went into my headline and I called it the next gen switch. Now, keep in mind, this was early 2021, even late 2020. You would have had people saying there's no way Nintendo's already working on a successor. We've already seen games that they're announcing for early 22 with like Splatoon 3. Why would they bring that to the current Switch if a successor is coming out soon after? Right. And that would have been a whole different hodgepodge of a mess. So let's not focus too much on the branding and focus more so on the idea that there is a new Switch in development. The dev kits have been distributed. It has 4K functionality. It has DLSS. And that Nintendo is moving into the future for this family of hardware. It could still be positioned like the Game Boy Color, which is a piece of hardware that is hotly debated over what is it actually. Nintendo counts Game Boy Color with the Game Boy when it comes to sales. But I found in an old Iwata Asks interview Mm -hmm. about the 3DS where Nintendo of America specifically cites Game Boy Color as the successor to the Game Boy. I hope Mike, now, I hope Mike Minardi's not listening to this because he'll <laughs> he'll he'll pull that article up. <laughs> but like, who out there would really who calls the Game Boy Color a successor to the Game Boy? By all means, there is an argument to be made there. But yeah. because Nintendo counts sales for the Game Boy and the Game Boy Color as one and the same, it was viewed as a simple revision. So, I mean, this could still be positioned in that way. It depends ultimately how Nintendo wants to count hardware sales if they 
do a unification of the switch and this new switch as one and the same, or if they count them separately, that's for Nintendo to figure out. But for us as the consumer and for those listening, it doesn't matter. The cold, hard truth is a new switch is being developed. Mm -hmm. Development kits for it exist. And we'll discuss a little more on what that means in the second half of this episode, because I do want to get into the tweets made by renowned data miner. Well, before we do that real quick, I I just have one question for you. So why Mm -hmm. do you think, why do you think Zynga put their hand up and said, yes, you can, you can quote, quote us as a source. Do you think it's because (laughs) they did, they do have a, a publisher that will mm-hmm. is obviously you know is, is someone that we don't know, so um, they, they have that kind of buffer between themselves and Nintendo. Because you're right, I mean, I think if they did that, um, you know, that would give them that that buffer where they could they could say so. But don't you think the publisher, whoever that may be, would be kind of upset with them that they did announce? Well, you know, that this person did basically reveal <laughs> that it was Zynga. It's a, it's a pretty ballsy move, I guess, is what I'm saying. You know, it, oh, it is. It could land the person, the company, um, their their relationship with their publisher, mm-hmm. potentially their relationship with Nintendo. Uh, all that could be under jeopardy. One hundred percent, and that's where it's really left up to interpretation of was the source just foolhardy to give permission to have their studio named. Or was it really a case, as you mentioned, maybe they felt as though there was enough buffer between them. Maybe they viewed it as this really isn't that much of a secret within the industry. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Dozens, maybe even hundreds of other developers have access to this dev kit. So nameless. Yeah. What's is it really going to be that big of a problem if it happens? Because from conversations I've had, this really isn't that much of a secret in the industry. Developers with the dev kits are they talk to each other about it. It's they will acknowledge it. Maybe not to the public extent where they're gonna have their studio named in an article or a podcast or anything like that. But this is known. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely it was a risk by Zynga because as we've seen in the past, Nintendo likely has or will put pressure on Zynga to do an investigation. Find out who gave permission, who was the source. Yeah. And it can damage the relationship. I mean, the only title that we know that Zynga is making for the Switch is the now delayed till 2022 Star Wars game. Right. Is that the title that was that's in development for the 4K Switch? I would probably doubt it. I mean, I think whatever Zynga is doing, that it's it's an unknown project that we're we're not really familiar mm-hmm. with. That's what I would say. I mean, that could very well be the case too. And I would imagine Nintendo's investigating. Zynga has probably done an internal investigation to find out. Yep. And, you know, if you are a company like Zynga, you do have to wonder how is this going to reflect on us with Nintendo moving forward? And... You know, you never you never know what's going to happen. Leaks happen in the industry. People talk. It's part of, you know, mm-hmm. it's day to day operations. You know, it happens. But this definitely could have some form of repercussions on the source and the company moving forward. And Nintendo definitely wasn't happy to see a publishing or a partner named directly. Right. 
So it was def- I mean, that was definitely a shocking thing to see in the article itself. But as we mentioned earlier, it's harder for Nintendo to dis- dismiss the claims in the article when you do have a specific company named. Yeah, absolutely. So like for the article, that is invaluable information for Nintendo. Mm-hmm. That's a cause of concern because now they're looking at it saying, really? Yeah. You're willing to talk and go on the record? Right. Um, <laughs> that's not what we want to see from partners moving forward, especially a company like Zingo, which, as noted in the article, has never made a console game before. Yeah. So now you're Nintendo and we're giving you this opportunity and you come out and name yourself? Yeah, but I mean, like you said, they're, they're probably got some some of some kind of a buffer between themselves and Nintendo. They're obviously working with a, a bigger publisher that mm-hmm. shall remain nameless. We don't know who that will who that is, right. and I think that's probably what's going to save them in this scenario. But I think Nintendo would be pretty unhappy with Zynga either way, and yes. they're trying to find out what the hell was going on here. You know. Yeah, I definitely think the source felt well insulated and they thought they were safe enough that they gave the approval to name. Yeah. And maybe in retrospect, they're saying, well, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but in the moment, I thought it was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> One topic that was hotly contested was the idea of this platform having backwards compatibility. And backwards compatibility has really become the an expectation. Microsoft, I would say, has set the new standard for backwards compatibility with hardware. And Sony definitely isn't up to par with it. They do have backwards compatibility with the PlayStation 4, but PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, and PlayStation 3 games remain to be missing as far as PS5 backwards compatibility is concerned. And with the Switch, Nintendo essentially made a brand new start. We understand why it wasn't backwards compatible with the Wii U because Nintendo's account system, especially for digital games, was a disaster. They had to completely restructure what they had in place and switching from disc to game cards already proves a challenge and an incompatible means of backwards compatibility for physical games. But moving forward, you would anticipate that Nintendo would have backwards compatibility for the Switch and any other platform moving forward that shares the Switch form factor. And this has been disputed by Michael Skyers, noted data miner, where they don't feel as though there's any actual evidence to suggest that Nintendo will have backwards compatibility with this new 4K Switch, citing that Nintendo can't use a non-Maxwell GPU without recompiling every game and giving up backwards compatibility because every game embeds a full Maxwell GPU driver stack, including pre-compiled native shader assembly. Now, some have countered this argument, noting that NVIDIA has the unified driver architecture and that this would allow them to have backwards compatibility moving forward for their GPU line. Now, this is an area that is definitely well beyond my level of expertise, but it falls nicely on your lap, MVG. Damn it. And (laughs) that's why we have you here. (laughs) So you can educate us on these type of complex technical matters. Well, go go, go ahead. Go ahead. How would you explain to us, the layperson, 
the challenges that Nintendo could potentially face with backwards compatibility going from the Switch, which has a Maxwell GPU, mm-hmm. going into something new like the code name Dane right. SOC, which should be employing a more modern GPU and architecture with tensor cores and many of yeah. NVIDIA's more modern techniques. So I'm I'm going to side with with uh, with Cyrus on this one. Um, so to kind of explain what he's talking about, um, just to the layman, when every single Switch game out there, every single one that you you either buy physically or you download, um, will have the game data on there, but it will also contain its own version of the GPU driver, right, embedded into the game. And all the shaders um, that the game needs are pre-compiled. So everything is just kind of bundled up into this one package. So with uh, what, what, what Cyrus is talking about is, even though there is, you know, that kind of unified architecture, unfortunately, it's not as easy as just taking that bundle and then running it on a non-Maxwell GPU. What you have to do is recompile every game or provide a patch, Right or you give up backward compatibility. And that's that's pretty simple. And I I, I agree with him. And when I talked about, um, so I made a video before the OLED came out when it was announced, um, you know, earlier this year, I made a video talking about my concerns about why I didn't feel like the OLED was enough of a step forward. And then I talked about potentially what's next for the switch and i also mentioned the same thing as what cyrus is is, was tweeting about and that is unfortunately backward compatibility is something that nintendo is going to have to solve for so there is just no easy way of releasing a new soc and then having these games run natively on it it's just not going to work so what (laughs) what can be done though so there there obviously are, are, are some solutions to this right this is not a a case of well, you know, Nintendo screwed. They have nothing. What they can do, they can do a couple of things, right? They can um, bring out patches so that they can take their entire first-party library and patch them, right? And that that shouldn't be something mm-hmm. that would would be a huge undertaking for them. They could also open up, um, you know, a specific tool to third parties that is basically a thing that says, "Hey, um, this is what you need to do to get your your games patched and ready for." whatever's next for the Switch. We'll call it the Switch 4K. So there is a a streamlined kind of update uh, process that all developers can utilize to do that. So that's something that they can provide, which essentially just takes what they what they have and then just repackages it as um, something that is native for the new SoC. So they could absolutely do that. That's obviously something that is a part of the development kit that they would offer. Um, the third option, and this sounds crazy, but it's something that Nintendo has done before, albeit it's it's not something that has been done in a long time, but they could technically just add an X1 chip onto whatever motherboard this is and then just have it deal with it that way. Like I said, they've done this before many times actually with, you know, the Wii. They've done it with um, the 3DS. You know, they, they've done it many times before where they've got older chipset hardware on whatever you know whatever system they're bringing out so they could put an x1 on on this motherboard and then that problem would simply go away and the fourth option nate and this is a really controversial but i want you to think about this 
What if they don't offer backward compatibility? What if this is a product that is um, truly a next generation update or a, a next generation piece of hardware? And they're basically telling people, look, the switch is going to continue on for another four or five years and we're going to continue to support it and we're going to continue to sell it. But you also can move over here on the side and have this premium 4K model that, yes, some of our games um, will be patched to run, but um, this is this is what this is the future, you know, and we want you to jump on board. So, I mean, mm. they're probably oh, there. It's got to be one of those, one of those four scenarios. Now, the last mm-hmm. one is a little probably far-fetched because you're giving up 100 million switches, right? <laughs> but but here's the thing, and I've thought about this a little bit, right? The PlayStation 3 was very successful. When the PS4 came out, obviously it couldn't run PS3 games. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, "What? why did I upgrade to a PS4? But the PS4 ended up selling 100 million units over its life cycle anyway. So mm-hmm. people are going to embrace new hardware no matter what. A lot of people don't really care about backward compatibility. If you end up if you end up bringing out a new Switch model that is not backward compatible, but it does have, we'll say, updates to Super Smash Brothers, Breath of the Wild, Mario Kart, Mario, um, uh, Mario uh, Odyssey, you know, uh-huh. uh, Mario Party, the, the big Nintendo games that that just sell millions and millions. What you know? Do you think it's really a huge deal that they don't support backward compatibility in that scenario? See, I would say yes. I think it is a big deal if they do not support backwards compatibility. And I'll tell you why. Back when the PS3 came to market, I'll say that digital releases were still new. True. There's still some uncertainty in these recent years. All three console manufacturers have made a big push towards digital sales. And if you're going to release a brand new product like a new Switch 4K and you're not going to have backwards compatibility, you're essentially telling your base, don't invest in digital because we're not going to support you moving forward. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where if you're a company, be it Nintendo, Microsoft or Sony, you cannot have that narrative enter the minds of the consumer. Yeah. And that's where I think Nintendo definitely will have backwards compatibility. How they achieve it, you know, is still to 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 be determined. As you mentioned, they could put an X1 on the motherboard and have that native backwards compatibility, which we've seen them do with like the Wii U where they had an mm-hmm. built-in Wii in the hardware or with the Wii itself where you had essentially a built-in GameCube. And one thing I do want to make mention is since Dane is very likely a custom chip that Nintendo has con- has contracted NVIDIA to create for this specific hardware, I'm sure the discussions are in place of how can we achieve backwards compatibility. Now, could Nintendo go to NVIDIA and say, let's have you know a Maxwell driver that is compatible with what we're building to make backwards compatibility, you know, Possible. Maybe it's not 100% backwards compatibility. Maybe it's 99.9%, similar to what we've seen with the PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4 games. Yeah. But there, there definitely would be conversations between Nintendo and NVIDIA when building this new SoC to power the Switch 4K and backwards compatibility to be a feature that is enabled. I, I think they have to do that. You know, mm-hmm. they, they have to do that. If... If they are indeed going down that path, 
then they are needing to offer something that will fall back to uh, or have some level of compatibility with the existing Maxwell stuff, whether that's in the SOC or not. Um, uh-huh. But I guess, you know, the other option, Nate, is like I said, they they kind of put the emphasis back on the developer. You know, they'll, they could just patch all their first party games and then have them available for the new model. And they're, they're basically incentivizing their third parties to do the same thing, you know, resubmit your game. Um, it's a real simple process. It doesn't cost you anything. We're not going to lot check the game or they probably would lot, lot check the game, but it's going to be something that developers, they'll make really simple for developers just to resubmit their game, you know, and with, with a new patch for the, the newer model and, and do it that way. I mean, that, that's, that's one way I could definitely see it. Um, offering something in the SOC is, is also something I could see as well. But we haven't seen any evidence of that at this time, but that's not to say that it doesn't exist. So <laughs> I I just wonder which way they're going to go here. You're probably right. You're probably right that whatever's next will have to run the existing Switch library. Uh-huh. You know, I think that's that's probably a safe thing to say. But I just, yeah, I, I'm just, I can't get my head around which way I think they're going to go on this one because they could potentially go many different ways on this. Yeah, there's definitely many avenues for them to explore. And I mean, this is a matter for NVIDIA and Nintendo to solve. And as mentioned, if Nintendo did pivot and so we're not going to have backwards compatibility with the current Switch on this new Switch hardware, that's just a nightmare scenario. And as even, you know, as you mentioned yeah, if you have brand new Zelda, a new Mario, Mario Kart coming to the hardware, it would still find success. But I would definitely be a very vocal critic to that move. Here's another because- question, though: what if mm-hmm. what if we don't see this system for another two years, and by that point, we're just we're almost begging Nintendo to give us new hardware, and we don't care about the Switch as much as we do today. Still, you still need that backwards compatibility. People have invested hundreds, if not thousands of dollars into digital libraries. And to tell them when your Switch breaks, you have no means of accessing those games in the future. That's a slap in the face of the consumer. Like I would never go a digital purchase again because I would look at Nintendo and say, I can understand why you did this from the Wii U to the Switch because you completely changed format. You completely changed direction. I gave you a pass there. Yeah. To give me a new switch with the same form factor, it's still a hybrid in nature. And to say we're not doing backwards compatibility of any kind, I'd say I'm done digital with you. Mm-hmm. Enough's enough. You're probably right. And Nintendo's probably trying to solve for that right now. Like literally, I think yeah. they're they're trying to figure out how, how they can make this work. Mm-hmm. Um that's where yeah. I, I think Microsoft set the new standard. Yep. This is what you're seeing with the Series X, which has you know, c- compatibility back to the original Xbox. And if you had that Microsoft account that you registered back on the Xbox 360, all your digital purchases have, you know, save for a few Xbox 360 games that have not been added to backwards compatibility yet, but you still have your entire Xbox One catalog. Well, you have a percentage yeah. of your Xbox 360 catalog. And don't forget their patches, right? 
So Nintendo would have to do something similar. Like any of those games that you play on the Xbox Series X or X or S that's 360 Mm -hmm. or OG, even some one games um, are all have patches applied to them so they can run on, on this current hardware. So I think you're right. I mean, I, I think this is probably what they're going to do, but they have, um, they have a lot of, they have a lot of stuff to figure out. I wouldn't want to be in Nintendo shoes trying to figure this one out. Cause <laughs> you're right. They they have to support this. And I was only, you know, yes. offering yeah, hypothetical. alternative hypothetical scenarios that would probably really upset a lot of people. Um, <laughs> but the thing is Nintendo, their fans are very loyal, right? They're going to jump on no matter, they're going to jump on anything that they offer, you know, whatever's next, they're going to buy it. But you're right. I think they have well, to be very careful on this one, especially like you said, if you have an all digital library, the days of the mm-hmm. PS3 wasn't anywhere, anything like what we have today. Sure. People probably have a, a PS3 um, digital library that they're not happy that they can't play on their PS4. But this is, this is a different animal altogether because yeah, I mean, this is the last, you know, four years or so of digital purchases. Mm-hmm. If you like digital, digital software, then you're being told you can't bring that forward. That would not really fly well with a lot of people. Yeah, especially with the Switch format that Nintendo themselves made this convenience. You wanted to go with digital games so you could have a large library of games with you on the go. Yep. And, you know, they really pushed that digital adoption rate. So if you didn't have backwards compatibility, you know, you can push Nintendo fans so far with bad business practices. But I think if they went that route, you may lose a significant percentage yeah. of your base because that that's would be the ultimate anti-consumer move what about physical do you think they'll ha- they have to have the same cartridge format in the next model um i mean i think they could go that similar cartridge format like we saw with the 3ds it wasn't identical to the ds yeah it changed just enough but you still had the ds backwards compatibility right but i could see them keep the same card format as well with this new uh 4k switch I could see them even stay with the same card size format and maybe not even exceed the 32 gigabyte size mm-hmm. in favor of going for like a 64 gigabyte. Because if Nintendo is opting to use DLSS as a solution to achieve 4K, you can keep those textures right to 1080p and you don't need to take up valuable space in file size for native 4K texture resolution so that's where dlss plays to nintendo's favor you can keep file sizes down it can keep costs down because we've seen 32 gigabyte cartridges are still fairly pricey for the switch but maybe in another year and a half with the introduction of a 4k switch the price of that game card comes down substantially and you can see more games utilize a 32 gigabyte game card and that could open up avenues for publishers to bring additional software to the platform. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you're right there. I just I'm I just wonder if, you know, they're very well um knowing about the price of 32 gigabyte and 64 gigabyte mm-hmm. cartridges and maybe they're trying to come up with a better solution where it mm-hmm. it can reduce the cost of of people um or developers publishers making physical versions because like i'm I'm thinking about the big games right like the um the final fantasy 7 remakes and stuff you know uh-huh. 
will we will we see those on on the next generation of, of Switch? And I don't mean Final Fantasy itself specifically, but just that those bigger games that we know mm-hmm. probably don't really fit well within the Switch's um, architecture right now for various reasons. And not just it's not just you know um, lack of performance or anything like that. It's also storage issues. You know, do you think Nintendo will solve for um, the the kind of the small flash size, which they've kind of done a little bit with the older model, but I'm kind of more interested about the cartridge size. Whether they'll come up with a different cartridge mm-hmm. format that is just cheaper for them to manufacture in the long run. I'd imagine that they are actively investigating that. I mean, I could definitely see them introduce a 64 gigabyte cartridge with this new Switch if publishers need it. Like, I don't think we're ever going to see like a 256 no. gigabyte game card or anything of that type. Right. 64, I think 64 gigabyte is probably the limit that we will see them introduce to the market. Yep. Because like, like a game like Final Fantasy VII Remake, as an example, if they're still just targeting a render of 1080p for the texture work and everything else, they it just comes down to that compression. How much can you save in the file size? And you should be able to make that fit on a 64 gigabyte game card. And then you let the magic that is DLSS use its AI wizardry mm-hmm. to give us a nice 4K image output on our televisions. So, I mean, I'm sure these are all things Nintendo is investigating with their partners, the game card manufacturer, which I believe is uh, Macronics. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're in discussions with them saying, what's possible? What can we do yeah. to favor our end goal and what we want to deliver and i mean this kind of goes into the background of how complex it really is to bring a system to market and how you need specific technologies to make games come to your platform and yes nintendo could have avoided all of this had they just made a system that used the disc but they went the hybrid nature and you need to go with a format that makes portability more feasible for the consumer and that's why we have game cards which unfortunately do come with a high cost. Yeah. So when do you think, and this is a spitballing, mm-hmm. when do you think we'll see this system get announced? I'm not saying released. I'm saying announced. Obviously, Nintendo is focusing on the OLED model right now, and they probably will yes. for, I mean, probably for maybe for another year. Uh-huh. But when do you when do you kind of see Nintendo finally um, revealing <laughs> what we've we've all known for such a long time? And and basically just reaffirming what Bloomberg is, is was talking about. Timing of the announcement, I think, is something that Nintendo really has to perfect. This is something that if we look to the Bloomberg article where they do make note that they believe that it could come to market as early as late 2022, if I'm Nintendo, I'm not announcing this platform until late 2022. I would be looking to replicate what they did with the original Switch. Mm-hmm. Give it about a six-month window from announcement to release. And it's all going to come down to timing. So let's say it did launch in 2022 and it mirrors what we saw with the OLED. It comes out in October of 2022 as an example. If I'm Nintendo, I announce it. I don't announce it at E3. 
yeah. I announce it in July, like they did the OLED. Mm-hmm. But that inherently does run a risk. I mean, you're going to upset people who just bought an OLED saying one year later, you just released something better. Why did I buy this? And Nintendo's done this time and time again, especially with their handheld line. They introduce a new revision of their handheld and all of a sudden they come out with a better one a year later. So this isn't really unheard of for Nintendo. For what I've been able to gather, late 2022 is at least something that publishers are gearing up in terms of having software prepped. Now, that does not necessarily correlate to a release date. Right. That doesn't mean anything, really. All that means is we're building software with the idea of having it finished for late 2022. And what we saw with the PlayStation 5 is Sony was, was looking to publishers and partners who were planning to have their games available on day one for the PlayStation 5. They wanted them to submit their games for certification around September to late August. So two to three months prior to the actual launch. So Nintendo could be looking at partners and saying, get these games done during that holiday stretch of 2022, because our intent is to release the Switch, the new Switch, in Q1 of 2023, and we just we need to know what games we're going to have 100% on digital and store shelves come launch. Yeah. It's just about planning. And... That's where if the title now, if this hardware doesn't come out until early 2023, let's say March of 2023, if I'm Nintendo, I don't announce it until October. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that kind of falls in line with what I was thinking as well. Um, and I, I wonder, you know, how that factors in with stuff like Breath of the Wild 2 as well. Uh, which See, which may not even yeah. come out next year. Let's be honest. They, they were hoping for next year, but it's probably a twenty twenty three game. Let's let's be honest, right? See, that's the thing with this this hardware is that I'm sure everyone saw the twenty twenty two mention in the Bloomberg article, and the first thought was, if this hardware comes out in late twenty twenty two. That's when we are anticipating to see Breath of the Wild two. Is Nintendo going to position that as a launch game? It's a natural conclusion to jump to. And maybe. I mean, in what scenario do you really see Nintendo launching new Switch hardware? Let's say it was in March of 2023 that Nintendo is going to launch Breath of the Wild 2 in November of 2022. (laughs) Right. And the new hardware is not going to have its own version of Breath of the Wild 2 with, you know, 4K compatibility. Of course, they're going to do that. It's one of the biggest sequels yeah. to release in modern history. There is no, and there is no scenario where that doesn't happen. It, it has to happen. Exactly. It has to happen. And I really wouldn't be surprised to see Nintendo position the two day and date with each other. They don't have to, but I wouldn't be surprised to see it happen. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I do want to touch on before I kind of get into some of my own information that I've gathered over the recent weeks is that the OLED launch with a brand new dock. And there's been a lot of discussion about one of the mystery chips inside. And you've discussed this in your OLED breakdown video a bit. Do you believe that this dock is future-proof and it may be compatible with the new 4K switch? 
initially when I saw the reports, Nate, I thought maybe it would be, but after playing around with the Ullin model and firsthand looking at, at this stuff, I don't believe so. I don't think this has anything to do with what's next. I Initially, I thought maybe this was a future-proof approach for Nintendo to to give us a dock which they're going to reuse for whatever's next. But I I don't believe that is actually the case. What I think has probably happened here is it's a simple case of economics. You know, um, the the older dock that you find on the red box switch and the, the base model switch runs HDMI 1.4. And the reality is sourcing those components now is a lot harder than it used to be. And it's more expensive because they don't really exist as much. The 2.0 stuff that you find um, is commonly available everywhere and it's the cheapest one. It's kind of what's what's readily available today. So I think Nintendo ultimately just decided to move to that to that format um, as because it was uh, it was just cheaper for them, you know. So that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, I think that's a well put statement and. I understand why people could look at it and say, oh, this is future-proofing it. But right now, that display port is, isn't is even enabled. So there's really no way we can really look to it and say, what does this mean for the future? Until Nintendo update the dock and we can actually see the chip in use, there's not much to take away. Because if you look at the current dock for the launch switch, there was a USB 3.0 that was never used. So sometimes these things just come to market with a component that's never utilized. And maybe it was a glimpse of something that Nintendo was contemplating being used at some point that just never came to market. It was prototyped and they ditched it. We don't know, but I would anticipate that the new Switch launches with its own new dock. And based on some of the reports that we've seen of the Ethernet LAN adapter in the OLED dock, Nintendo may want to update that to something that allows for higher speeds. Yeah, so the the current dock, even though it's it, it is USB C and it's there's USB three in there, the LAN adapter, the Ethernet adapter, uses USB two speed. So it's it's quite disappointing actually. Um, and one of my biggest criticisms of the OLED model, and look, it's not just the dock that that's to blame. It's a factor, a number of different things. But ultimately, mm-hmm. and um, what I want to say is, I mean, we're not, we're not, we're not, you know, reviewing or ragging on the OLED model, but at the end of the day, the speeds that you get from the wide Ethernet is a lot lower than what I would anticipate. So, um, it's a little bit disappointing there for sure. But to, to your initial point, Nate, I don't think this dock is is any type of look into the future. What Nintendo is planning on giving us next, I think whatever is next will be will be brand new hardware with a brand new uh-huh. dock if if that's the approach that they take. I don't think this has any part to play in what's next. Right, I would agree with that because we haven't seen Nintendo release the current Switch without a dock option in any of the Western markets. It is available as an option in Japan. So it would seem a little odd for Nintendo to be packing this dock with this OLED model only to release a new Switch, let's say in 18 months and give us the exact same dock again. That's really not Nintendo's way. And I don't see them coming to the market and saying, well, here's a docklish option where you can save yourselves, you know, 50 or $100. I think it would be a brand new dock with better components to allow all the features that Nintendo hopes to achieve with the system. Now, since the Bloomberg article came out, I had reached out to numerous 
contacts of my own to try to make sense of the information, see if elements of it are accurate, and to get more clarity on certain points made. And I'm going to discuss some of that now. And as mentioned prior, I will no longer be referring to this as a Switch Pro based on the conversations I have had. It is clear that this is a new, this is new Nintendo Switch hardware, but it is not clear to me how it's going to be positioned. I do not know if it's going to be positioned as a Switch 2 or if it's going to be positioned simply as a revision. So moving forward, I am going to refer to it simply as the Switch 4K because it does have 4K compatibility and that is going to be achieved with DLSS. Those facts are solid. There is substantial evidence backing that information and there is no reason to anticipate that that is going to change anytime soon. As for a release window, as Bloomberg had noted, it appeared that it would be in the second half of 2022 based on conversations I have had. The second half of 2022 is definitely a time window that publishers are gearing up their software releases for. But the caveat is there is the possibility it does release anytime between late 2022 and Q1 of 2023. That is the window I was given. So use those six months as an area of expectation. I believe if the idea of an early 2023 release is already being communicated. It means Nintendo has investigated supply, manufacturing, and they are just simply uncertain where it will fall within those six months. So they're giving developers and publishing partners an earliest scenario and the latest scenario. So that is the expectation currently. It could always shift you know, more towards 2022 or more towards 2023. But we're saying this in October of 2021. A lot can happen. DevKits went out to bigger partners late 2020. DevKit distribution has continued this year. And as mentioned, again, earlier this year, DevKits went out in June to some of these smaller partners. So Dev kits have been rolling out for many months now. This isn't a case of just a select few. It is a substantial number of developers have access to the system at this point. For software, it's, again, kind of as mentioned previously, there are games in development that are only coming to this new Switch. And what I mean by that, it's just for the Switch family. These games will not come to the current Switch. They will only be on the new Switch. And obviously, they'll come to like the PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. The percentage of these games, I could not give you an accurate number. It could, If this is going to be positioned as a successor to the Switch, obviously, that number is going to be higher than if it is a revision. But we can look to the PlayStation 5 and even the Series X. They don't have that many exclusives right now. So it may take a year, maybe two years until we see a full on transition of commitment of resources to this new switch in terms of exclusive releases. Yep. It's definitely going to be interesting, but I can say with confidence, there is a new switch out there. Dev kits have been distributed. How it's going to be branded is anyone's guess at this point. It could be Switch 2. It could be Switch Pro. Mm -hmm. For now, let's just call it the Switch 4K. 
Yeah, I, because- I, I think that's 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 uh, right on the money, Nate. I feel the same way about it. Yeah, 4K functionality achieved with DLSS is the one consistent piece of information with this hardware. So Switch 4K feels as though it's a more appropriate moniker to assign this hardware moving forward. And hopefully that allows some clarification to listeners as how we're going to discuss this product moving forward. And this way, there's no no confusion or misunderstanding how it's going to be labeled and positioned by Nintendo, because ultimately that does not matter. We'll find out how they want to position it when the time is right. But the important takeaway is new new Switch hardware is in active development. Games are being made for it, and developers seem to be quite excited about what the potential is going to bring with this hardware. And with that, we can move into some of the Streamlabs questions for this week. And our first question and donation comes from Jackie G, who donated $1 and writes, Hey, MVG, when are you going to be the hero that we all need and port Daikatana to the Intellivision Amico? <laughs> um well, I need to get my hands on an Amico dev kit first to do that. So I don't know how I, how I would approach um, Intellivision about getting one, but um, yeah, maybe one day we'll we'll, we'll see Daikatana on the Amico. <laughs> then had a five dollar donation from Sign Smelled seventy six. Right after the Switch OLED was announced, what did your insider say? Was the Switch OLED supposed to be the Switch Pro? but not because of component shortage. How close are we to getting a rare replay for Nintendo Switch Online? Peace. You're the best. After the Switch OLED was announced, my contacts all said the same thing. That is not the hardware we've been working on. Mm-hmm. And they were very confused by the announcement. And the simple reality behind that is there were no new dev kits distributed for the OLED. That only recently happened. So... They were working on a 4K switch, as we discussed in this episode, and they were very confused by that announcement because they had no idea that such a model was coming to market. As for Rare Replay coming to Nintendo Switch, Nintendo switch Online, um, I think the closest you're going to be able to play Rare Replay games on Nintendo Switch Online is just going to be N64 versions of yep. some of those games. I would agree with that. But it is interesting because I had heard several years ago that Microsoft was considering bringing a version of Rare Replay to Nintendo Switch. Maybe the port didn't come together to their vision, and this is how they pivoted and said, well, you can have Banjo-Kazooie and maybe Banjo-Tooie and some other N64 games moving forward. So that's that actually could have happened very realistically, and that shows you how fluid the industry is, that what was planned at one point could have changed into something that better or worse, the consumer is still going to get their hands on the games in some form. Then had a $2 donation from Liam Warner, who writes, Do you think games that come to Nintendo Switch Online are there to stay forever, or will they be cycled out eventually, at least with third parties? Also, do you think Nintendo will ever consider a streaming avenue for these games rather than downloading an app? I would imagine that the third-party companies have entered into a contractual agreement to have these games on the service, meaning Nintendo has paid 
for the games to be added to Nintendo Switch Online. As for Nintendo doing a streaming service for Nintendo Switch Online to let people play the games, let's say like on their phone, I would imagine, or even like the PC, I would imagine is what you're referring to. I would not hold my breath. Then had a $3.96 donation from Matanume, who writes, All right, boys, you know the question. It's been asked many times since December 2018. Who's going to be left? I'll go with Ryu Hayabusa. <laughs> Such a shoo-in being around since the NES days. Failing that and SMT Demon or Pokemon, who's it going to be? This it's going to be Sora. This didn't age very well, unfortunately. <laughs> no, unfortunately. It's going to be Sora. <laughs> it's going to be Sora. You heard it here first. <laughs> yes, we recorded this on <laughs> the September, <laughs> on October 1st. <laughs> we just held it. <laughs> we then had a $100 donation from Calvin Atkinson, whom this episode is dedicated to. And they write, hi, Nate and MVG. Given how things are between Microsoft and Nintendo, is there anything else stopping a new Diddy Kong racing game being made as a companion piece to Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, other than possibly wanting Banjo and Conker as returning characters? I believe those would be the only obstacles. Otherwise, Nintendo would be free to make a Diddy Kong racing game. Yep. They just need a developer to do it. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right night dive <laughs> we're busy we got a lot going on right now <laughs> then had a one dollar and 69 cent donation from mr stud muffin writes hey nate and mvg i've always wondered when you announce on twitter that there will be an episode the next day is the podcast already recorded or do you record it that morning asking so i can send more relevant questions for that week in time Typically, if I put it up on Twitter, then an episode is dropping the next day we have already recorded. That way, I, I put out the tweet in anticipation that the episode is going to be available tomorrow. That way, I don't get ahead of myself and tweet something, and then we don't end up recording. Yep. And had a follow-up donation from Mr. Studmuffin of $1.69. And he writes, Hope Nate makes a surprise appearance at Too Many Games. Did Does you, most of the spawn cast actually not know what you look like? Did you make, were you in the crowd? I was not in the crowd at too many games. And most of the spawn cast does not know what I look like. Only Jordan Fringe has seen me in person. Not even MVG has seen my face. Or have I? No, I, or, I, I haven't. I haven't. <laughs> you could. <laughs> I could be walking around. <laughs> Never know. Maybe next year's too many games. Maybe see what June 2022 brings. Mr. Stud Muffin followed up with a 420 donation and writes, as always, keep up the great work, my dudes, coffee, milk, and hot wieners. That's right. Then had a dollar donation from Abinet12. Right. Hi there. Greetings from Spain to Nate, MVG, and possible guest. There are two franchises I wish they made an appearance on Switch. Them being Watch Dogs and The Sims. Is it feasible at all to get my hopes up waiting for both to appear on Switch? I don't think either of those will be appearing on the current Switch anytime soon. I think The Sims would actually be a great fit for 
the Switch. Mm-hmm. Watch Dogs is something I probably will, I think we'll never see on the Switch. The Sims could happen in some form, but it's hard to imagine that as well. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't get your hopes up on, on either of those, unfortunately. Like the Sims probably have some percent chance now that they have ported frostbite over to the switch right and the new sims game uses frostbite but it's really a matter of ea investing the time and the money and the resources into making a port possible the sims can be a bit cpu heavy yep so i'm not sure if the current switch could really do justice to a sims game without com- considerable scale yeah. back. and watchdogs ran on the wii u so i mean technically watchdogs and I'm talking about the first one, not two and three, which obviously were more advanced technically. I could, I mean, Watch Dogs could run on the Switch, but again, it's one of those things where it's like, how many how many copies do you think that would sell? Um, and how much money do you think, would you think Ubisoft would make? Or, right. would, or would they ultimately lose money on the deal? And I think they probably at best would break even on it, so they're not really thinking about it. Yeah, I think Ubisoft is best invested in doing projects like the Mario Rabbids franchise that is specifically tailored for the Switch audience. Yeah, or even Gods and Monsters or whatever it's mm-hmm. called that was actually a pretty <laughs> good game at the end and, and did quite well for them. Yeah, what was that game called? Like Kid Icarus or something? I don't remember. I don't remember. Oh, that's a shame. They then had a $5 donation from Jose. Right. Great podcast, boys, like always. My question is, how come the DualSense control doesn't work for the PlayStation 4, but works for the PlayStation 3? With the PlayStation 5 still hard to buy, wouldn't it be the ideal controller work on the PlayStation 4 too? Love the show. Keep up the great work. That is the million dollar question. I wish it did work on the PlayStation 4 because the DualSense is a far superior controller. Right. Then had a $100 donation from Shamsa, the second person this episode is dedicated to. Thank you for your support, Shamsa. We then had a $5 donation from Skatittles, who writes photorealistic phallic portraits. Those who follow Dreamcast Guy and RGT on Twitter will know what that is referring to. And I believe more... Phallic portraits are in development by Skatittles. Liam Werner donated a dollar and writes, Smash Ultimate is done. Because of this, I was wondering what your overall final thought on Sora, the DLC, and the roster as a whole are now that it's all complete. I never played Kingdom Hearts, and yet I still teared up because of how impactful it was. I think Sora was a good final addition. As for the DLC as a whole, I was pretty shocked at the Square Enix representation overall and the lack that of Nintendo representation across the two fighter passes. And overall, I mean, this is probably the best fighting roster you'll ever see compiled in a single game. And it will be hard for Nintendo to top what they have created with Smash Ultimate, which is kind of why I'm anticipating that the next Smash game will be a full-on reboot for Nintendo to start fresh, because they know there's really nowhere for them to go at this point. Ultimate is the top of the mountain, and the only way to do better is to start over. Mm-hmm. Agree. Then had a follow-up donation from by Liam Warner of a dollar, and 
They write, MVG commented on Twitter about Kingdom Hearts being cloud games, being an example of devs needing better hardware. The argument of whether 1 and 2 could have been physical aside, do you think some of the cloud games could get native ports with the Pro Next Gen? Maybe. Um, if if there is um, popularity. See, the thing is, we don't really know. We don't really have any insight onto the sales of these cloud games, how well mm-hmm. they do. I mean, it's it's. I think there's a blanket kind of argument that they don't sell very well, but we don't really have any metrics around <laughs> how, how well they do. But let's Correct. say Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 does really well on cloud, right? Um and then, the, and then the next gen hardware does come out. Then maybe that's something that Square may turn around and say, you know what, we we should we should invest some money into this because this is this is doing a lot better than than we thought. So yeah, I would say the door would be open for that. Mm-hmm. And had a four dollar and twenty cent donation from Mister Stud Muffin. He writes, Smash Brothers Ultimate is very much responsible for expanding my gaming palette with titles I never would have imagined myself playing. Maybe it's time to blow the dust off the old Kingdom Hearts games sitting in my backlog. Yes, that would be well advised. Then had a $5 donation from Auric305. Right, greetings, Nate and MBG. I've been seeing Assassin's Creed Valhalla on sale between $20 and $25 and curious if it's worth checking out on Series X at that price. Opinions on the game seem to be all over the place and I find it kind of sus. It's that cheap already. I know you played that game, MVG. I did. I played the game and I finished it. Assassin's Creed for me is a guilty pleasure type of game. I if Look, if you like Assassin's Creed games, I would say check it out. I think you'll have a good time, uh, especially at that price. But if you're coming into it thinking, or if you're coming into it and not played an Assassin's Creed game, or at least not played one for a while, you may just feel you may just want to spend your money roll elsewhere let's be honest but i i think the game is fine and i think at that price point it's probably worth a look and mr stud muffin donated a dollar 69 and writes what games get too much hate that you actually enjoy for me it's tokyo mirage sessions i would have been pissed too if i waited years for a smt x fire emblem crossover and what we got were singing anime idols but even then I unapologetically love it. Death Stranding. That's a good answer. And you know what? I'm going to go with The Last of Us Part 2. That's a good answer as well. Death Stranding is a masterpiece. It gets it gets completely dismissed. Um, and look, people have their opinions and I get it. Um, mm-hmm. There's definitely a lot of setup in that game and people don't like the walking simulation aspect of it. But I think the game is brilliant. Yeah, I love Death Stranding and I really enjoyed The Last of Us Part 2. And I know it gets a lot of hate. The only game that deserves nothing but hate is Mario Sunshine. (laughs) True. (laughs) We had a $5 donation from Inspector Galifianakis. who writes, if you could only afford one, at least for now, which would you get? A Steam Deck or an Index VR kit? I know one is almost twice the price, but try to ignore that. I have a PC. I can run VR and many VR-ready games already. Love the show. Thanks. Hmm. I mean, there's the Resident Evil 4 VR lure, which makes me want to get a VR headset, but I, I think I'd rather get the, the Steam Deck. I think that's something I could definitely mess around with and enjoy a lot more. Yeah, I mean, the only VR experience I have is with PlayStation VR, and I'm not a big PC person, so the Steam Deck really has a limited appeal to me. Yeah. 
but I'd probably go with VR of those two choices. We had a $3 donation from Symphonic Balance, who writes, Do you think Microsoft chose to allow Banjo-Kazooie to be on the Nintendo Switch Online because they are trying to gauge the interest level with the IP and see if they should do a new project with it? Would Nintendo share those stats with third parties? I don't know if Nintendo Switch Online is the best metric for a company like Microsoft to use to gauge potential interest in a series like Banjo-Kazooie, because typically if you want to gauge that type of interest, you would bring like an HD remaster to market, though they've already done that on the Xbox 360 with Xbox Live Arcade. Um, Like Capcom remastered Onimusha to gauge interest in that franchise. And as far as I can tell, that was that remaster didn't sell all that well. But I think the leak did provide insight that they are considering doing a new Onimusha game. So I don't think NSO is really the barometer to be used to gauge interest levels in a new banjo. Then had a $4.20 donation from Mr. Studmuffin, who writes, Too many games and Spawncast Live was fun. I'd like to think you are sitting among the crowd with us at the panel, Nate. Also to MVG. Hope you're there next year to sign my Shantae Switch case. Well, if I am there next year, I will definitely do that. Um, I, I will try to get out there next year. We'll see what comes of that. Um, I know June is A3 month, so I may be at that as well. But um, I will I will do what I can to be present next year. Then mm-hmm. had $1.69 sent donation from Mr. Studmuffin, who writes, I don't remember... Half of the questions I sent in since the last video went up. LOL. <laughs> Either way, here's more money. Seriously, though, you guys are great. Thank you. Thank you. We then had a $5.76 donation from Dr. J. Right. Hello from Ireland. Nintendo funded Forever Entertainment to port games to the Switch. Seeing as they've made Panzer Dragoon and House of the Dead, is there any chance this deal could be to port Saturn games to NSO service. Keep up the good work. Mm, I don't think so. I don't think so. At least at least not right now. I don't think Saturn is part of the conversation. Yeah, I would believe that whatever Nintendo's deal with Forever Entertainment is is for something else. Yeah. Um it almost sounded like aspects of the deal were more for Nintendo to give them funding to seek out game deals to happen not necessarily like nintendo is directly like in relation to what is happening mm-hmm. it's definitely an odd deal i mean forever entertainment is a strange company to make that type of deal with they don't exactly have the greatest pedigree of releases but we'll see what happens i mean house of the dead was supposed to come out this year and since we're in mid-october and the game hasn't been seen in several months and there's been no update on a release window for the game i would imagine it has been delayed and i'm very curious as to how house of the dead turns out because they do have to solve the control issue with the lack of a light gun and analog control for a light gun game doesn't really sound fun it does not but Hopefully, we'll find out soon the quality of House of the Dead when it comes to market. And that is the final Streamlabs question of the week. If you'd like to support the channel, we have a Streamlabs link in the description below. Donate any dollar amount. Ask a question. We will answer it at the end of the episode. And today's episode is, once again, dedicated to Calvin Atkinson and Shamsa. We'd like to thank you for your continued support of the channel. And I'd like to thank my co-host, Modern Vintage Gamer, for joining me as always. 
Thanks for having me on, Nate. Always a pleasure. It was, uh, it was fun and a deep conversation. I enjoyed it. I did as well. And hopefully those listening learned a thing or two about the Switch 4K, what to anticipate, and also about how backwards compatibility can be made and how PR teams use masterful wording to deny things and omit telling the complete truth, but don't necessarily tell a lie. And if you enjoyed the episode, be sure to give the video a like. If you didn't give the video a dislike, leave your thoughts and a comment below. And until next time, continue to embrace the hate.